All right, everybody, welcome to today's episode of the Jerry's World Podcast. On today's episode, I remember the career and life of one Henry Louis Hank Aaron. I also have my friend Jake Sosha will come on to the podcast once again. This time we will discuss the the state of the Sabres hockey team at the current stage in the season. We will also discuss how memes of Bernie Sanders became the talk of the internet after Inauguration Day. We will also discuss Conor McGregor's loss to Dustin Poirier at UFC 257 and what we think is left in store for him in our opinions. I will then conclude today's episode by discussing GameStop's sudden stock surge and if this surge will continue to happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy everybody. So I am going to begin this episode by remembering the life and career of one Henry Louis Hank Aaron, also known to the world as Hammer and Hank. Hank Aaron passed away at the age of 86 and is considered by many to be one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He's also considered by many to be one of the greatest athletes in American sports history and is widely considered as one of the greatest humanitarians we have come to ever know as well. He headed a long list of outstanding baseball players that came from the Gulf Coast city of Mobile, Alabama. Many players soon followed after Hank Aaron from Mobile, Alabama. Satchel Paige, Willie McCovey, Billy Williams, and Ozzie Smith being among many of those players. His baseball resume is second to none in in Major League Baseball, and and his resume is also second to none in the history of American sports. His 755 home runs are second all-time on the home run list for Major League Baseball. His 2,297 RBIs are first all-time in the history of Major League Baseball. His 2,174 runs scored are tied for fourth all-time. He was a 25-time All-Star, the 1957 National League MVP and 1957 World Series champion. He was also a three-time Gold Glove winner and a two-time batting champion. And he was also named to Major League Baseball's All-Century team at the end of the 20th century. He was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1982 and being named on 406 of 415 ballots. There were nine writers who did not vote for a player who had more home runs and RBIs than anyone in the history of Major League Baseball at the time of Aaron's induction. He was also a player who finished with 3,771 hits as well. And in my opinion, those nine writers that didn't vote for a player with, Aaron, with, Aaron's, res, with Aaron's resume should be ashamed of my should be ashamed of themselves it's just outright sacrilegious that these nine player that these nine writers did not vote for Hank Aaron to be inducted into the Hall of Fame after his retirement as a play as a player he he had a lengthy baseball career working with ver, within various positions of the Braves organization and also at one point was the special assistant to former MLB commissioner Bud Selig as well he also dedic- showed his dedication to the game of baseball by donating all of his baseball treasures to the Hall of Fame for very for ge- for generations to come to see everything that he contributed to the game, and how he contributed to the game as well. Hank Aaron is considered by many to be the true home run king in the history of Major League Baseball, even though Barry Bonds surpassed him in 2007. But Aaron never singled out Bonds, who 
had become embroiled in a debate over performance-enhancing drugs as Bonds closed in on the home run record and eventually broke it in 2007. In fact, Aaron actually embraced Bonds as the true home run king. Aaron knew that the record was eventually going to be broken. He said that his time had come and that there was a new, new home run king. He never, Like I said, he never singled out Bonds, and that just shows the humility that Hank Aaron had. Hank Aaron was the epitome of an American hero whose greatness was always cloaked in dignity, decency, and humility, even though he fought and, and went through vile racial prejudice throughout his baseball career and his life in general. He treated everyone the way he would have wanted to be treated, with dignity and respect. This led to former President George W. Bush, who was all, also a one-time owner of the Texas Rangers, presenting Aaron with the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2002, which is considered the nation's highest civilian honor. Hank Aaron is an American icon. He will be remembered as an American icon, not just for what he did on the field, on the field for baseball, but what he did off of the baseball diamond as well, with his humanitarianism and with his dedication to the game as well after his playing career. His memory will live on forever. And as they say, legends never die. Hank Aaron may be gone from this earth, but his memory will live on forever. All right. With me today, uh, I have my friend Jake Sosha once again on the Jerry's World podcast. It's a pleasure to have you again. How are you doing today? It's a pleasure to be back. I'm doing pretty well. have no complaints. Uh, had a nice day at work, and now we're back here just relaxing. Hey, fair enough, fair enough. You know, can't complain, can't go wrong with that, can't go wrong with that. So, got three topics of discussion today. Uh, the first being the state of the Sabres. The second being Bernie Sanders memes and how they became the talk of the internet. And the third discussion of, of choice being Conor McGregor and his potential future or not or no future with the UFC. And I think, I think we have four topics today. I think you forgot a big one. Oh, the big one, the big topic. Oh, I may have forgotten the big topic. Oh, yes. What's the uh, big topic? Yes. What did I forget here, sir? The Super Bowl preview. Super Bowl preview? No, we're not doing that until next week. Oh, you said on the last podcast it was this week. Oh, well, I changed I changed my mind because of the pro. I changed my mind because I figured, you know, why don't we just, like, wait and see how oh. things go, especially because of how injuries that came about in the AFC Championship, see what happens and see what initial injury reports are, and also because who knows what will happen with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their injuries, too. So we can wait. We'll wait until next week. I decided to change that up. Sounds good. Thank you for letting me know. Well, yeah, it's a good thing we wait too because COVID is still a thing. So hopefully, no one from either team contracts it. But I can almost—I can almost up put money down on it right now. If Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes gets COVID, the Super Bowl is getting pushed back. Oh, anybody can put money on that, and they're going to be right. They're going to push the Super Bowl back without a doubt. I mean, if Pat—I mean, I hope it doesn't get pushed back. I mean, it's the last game of the season. But I mean, if they have, if somebody, ca- if somebody, one of those two catches it, they will push it back without a doubt. But, but we're gonna revert back to hockey. 
The Sabres are coming off a 3-2 win last night against the New York Rangers. They won their second straight. They are now 3-3-1 three, three and one in the East Division. What do you, what, what's your take on the Sabres season so far, seven games in? They have looked like a completely different Sabres team than we have seen in years past. We have more lines that it showed. We have more lines that can score than just the first and second line. The first line is barely scratching the surface of what they can do. Taylor Hall only has one goal and it was in the first game. Jack finally scored his first one last night. And I don't think Sammy, Sammy has, I think one goal as well. So there's only three goals in that uh, first line, but I am very happy, especially coming off this uh, road trip. We went to uh, Philadelphia, and then we went also to the Capitals. Um, Coming away with five out of eight points is not bad, considering how bad the Sabres were on the road last year. But they're also three, one, and one in their last five. So there's no complaints here from me. Um, I kind of expected that first game to go how it did, just the Sabres haven't played in 10 months and clearly the Capitals got to play in the bubble. So they were playing earlier than the Sabres did, but I'm happy. Very happy. Everything looks good all around. The only thing that still is worrisome to me is goaltending. I agree with you there. I, there have been rumblings, whether or not they're looking for a goaltender. I don't know how, I don't know how true that is. Honestly, you know, I'm uh I keep hearing rumbling, hearing and seeing rumblings about whether or not they're going to take a look at Mark Andre Fleury because of his situation in Vegas. I saw something once that they may have been sp- considering speaking to the Kings about Cal Peterson uh, and seeing if he was available as well. I do, I, I do agree that goaltending is spotty. It, it's very spotty. Carter Hutton is. Carter Hutton still can't. I mean, I feel bad for the guy because he, you know, he took a nasty hit uh, with that collision a couple games ago, a, cu- a few games ago, kept him out for a while. But uh, the thing is, though, is like he's he's not a number one. He's not a number one, and actually, neither is Allmark. Neither of them are a true number one goaltender. No. We have two number twos. In- Allmark being a better spot starter than Hutton. I, I'm just not – I'm not a fan of Carter Hutton. I'm going to be completely biased here. I, I'm not a fan of his. When I – I thought that we – like, I thought that us signing him off free agency was ridiculous in my opinion because I had a feeling that, like, when the Blues weren't going to go try and retain him, that there was something up. Like, if you – if your team doesn't want to bring you back once you hit the free agent market, you know something is up. In his, I mean, in his defense, though, that was also the same year, um, that offseason afterwards. It was when the Blues won the Cup and Jordan Bennington just had himself a career. And they also still have Jake Allen, who was for a long time a great starter, starting goaltender. But in the Sabres goaltending defense, either most teams nowadays, they're not looking to spend big money on goaltending. They're going to have that uh, two rotation um, goaltending. It's very common now, but I mean, unless you're going to get a guy like Carey Price up there in um, Montreal. Montreal. Sorry, yeah, I had a blank there, but he is probably the only goaltender, and I guess Bobrovsky. Those are the only two goaltenders, I would say, who can go consistently be the number one for a whole season and only take, like, in an 82-game season, maybe 15 to 20 games off. 
I I'll, I will agree with you on that one. I, although I'll make a different opinion, a differing opinion about why those two are consistent, like consistently starting games. Obviously, Carey Price is probably Carey Price is still getting the job done in Montreal, and obviously, I mean, eventually they're going to have to like find, figure out the replacement for him because he's not getting any younger. But the other thing is too is Sergey Bobrovsky like also starts almost every game for the Florida Panthers because of that huge contract that they gave him. And they don't want to keep putting, they don't want to have their over $70 million man on the bench. They'll just look like complete idiots if they do that. Yeah. Especially that much for a goaltender is crazy. And especially with the two goaltenders they have that uh, they just drafted this year, they drafted the um, American kid and they also had the Canadians uh, number one goaltender or team Canada's world juniors, number one goaltender as well. Yes. So it's, yes. it's a weird goaltending situation down there. But real quick, back to the Sabres goaltending situation. Of course, of course. That's the whole point. Of the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thoughts on Ukapeke Lukanen. He was supposed to be the next greatest goaltender coming into the draft when the Sabres got him. And I get goaltenders take typically three to four years to develop to be able to come play up in the NHL. But with the goaltending situation that's going on in Buffalo, I'm worried as to why they haven't brought him up yet. I know he was shaky when he got moved up to Rochester last year, but clearly we're not he's not as good as everyone thinks if the Sabres haven't kind of put their chips in on him at this point because it's been long enough. He should be ready to be up here. I mean, let me chip in on that real quick uh, here. I mean, he did have hip sur- He did have hip surgery. He 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 did have hip surgery and he was brought up to Rochester after that hip surgery. And in fact, if I remember correctly, I think it was double hip surgery. He's still only what, 21, 21, 22. He really, he, so maybe it's part. So I'm not trying to like say that like he's a bad goaltender yeah. because I, I was one of the people like you, you know, like yourself, I've thought that he was going to be our next great goalie in Buffalo Sabres history. I mean, in my opinion, I've thought, he would be our best goalie since since Ryan Miller. But the thing is, though, is like he had that hips, he had the double hip surgery, and I feel like he hasn't really been the same since then. And also at the same time, too, like it all depends. Are they developing him properly too? Like, are the uh, is the develop like is the de- development team develop like helping him grow and develop as a goaltender? What I mean, Rochester, the the. It's it's pretty sad because the thing is though is like we have a lot of players that like go to Rochester, and they and they kind of don't do well in the AHL. So it makes me wonder like what are they doing like out here for in the with the Amherst like in terms of like getting these kids ready to get come into the NHL honestly because I, I I was talking actually to a guy I work with today about this because we were talking about the game last night and just a bunch of like things too, like the same thing with the goaltending because yeah, car, because of Hutton, Carter Hutton, like isn't a good goaltender. All Mark obviously can't start like 50 games. So like, what are they going to do? Yeah. And I mentioned UPL and that's when we got to talking about like what, whether or not he is developed properly, like where his confidence is at right now is the, are the, are, are the hips still a problem, even though he had surgery on them too? So all those factors lie in right there, honestly. One thing I do want to go into, though, is Rasmus Dahlin is fucking ass right now. 
Yeah, he... The Sabres right now are kind of hiding him. Uh, they have him playing against the other teams, third and fourth liners. But he, as well as Ukapeka Lukanen, who's still young, uh, Rasmus Dahlin is still young as well. He, yes. He, he's very young. For He's only 20 years old still, and people forget that. His rookie season, he almost broke the record for uh, assists in a season or points in a season by a rookie defenseman. Last season, he was on pace to have over um, – he, he was on pace to have over probably 50 points because through 59 games played, he already had 40 points. And in his first season, he played the full 82 games. He had 44 points. So he was on the up and up last year. But this year, he the problem is he can't defend against – other teams, number one and number two lines, and the Sabres have been kind of hiding him behind that. So I don't really know if there's something with confidence there or what's going on because he only has one assist in seven games played, um, and he's minus seven right now when he's on the ice. And I'm not worried about it because of how young he is and what he has shown already. Maybe it's just the lack of preseason and lack of training camp. That's what I was going to go into as well. Because the thing is, though, is like like we said, like you said, they haven't played in 10 months, the Buffalo Sabres. And the thing is, though, is that like even like even though they had like that training, the, the small training camp and they were allowed to return before other teams were they were one of they were one of the seven teams that were, were allowed to start camp earlier than the 24 that were in the bubble. This team hasn't really gelled together because they haven't been together for 10 months. Yeah. Once lockdown hit, I mean, these play, these players were in their home countries. I mean, Dolly, uh, I mean, obviously everybody for like over in Europe was over in Europe. I mean, Eichel does Eichel does I does Eichel have a house in Buffalo or did he go back to Boston? I know he has a condo in Buffalo, but I believe in the offseason he does go back to Boston because I still think him and Reinhardt live together in the condos oh. downtown. Okay. I mean the thing and then the thing is too is like Stahl and Hall Stahl being and Hall being new acquisitions. They weren't allowed to like come in and like see things for themselves like on, like for themselves, you know, person to person, they had to like do everything virtually, get associated with the team. The same thing with Cody Eakin and Toby Reader as well. I mean, Toby Reader actually scored a goal last night, you know, so I love to see that. That was a Eakin, very nice uh, breakaway he had. Exactly. Cody Eakin has played all seven, has played, has played all seven games, has no, po- no points in total, and he was brought in to be have a little grit right now. But the thing is, though, is like our best defenseman at the moment, Jake McCabe, gets almost gets kind of blindsided there yeah. uh, last night, got, got shaken up a little bit. And Cody Eakin doesn't do anything there, so I'm, I'm a little wondering, like, uh, Eak, what are you doing well, there, Eakin? Let me, come on. Let me jump in there. Um, so, like you said, that hit on McCabe last night. But um, it's kind of been all season because when we went down to Philly, actually not even just in Philly, every single team has been taking like shots at Dolan. And what the Sabres are lacking is that guy who can get out there and be like, all right, you're going to take a shot at my player. You're going to have to deal with me at least. 
So people aren't going to want to do that. But no one is standing up for Dolan or any of our players at that when that hit on stall happened in the uh, first game. In the opener. In the opener, no one did anything. You had a little chirping here and there, but that's it. So you have teams coming in and thinking they could probably just bully the Sabres in that case because no one's going to step up and do anything. And this is why I think we have Tage Thompson in the lineup when we did, just to have that grit. He is a big kid standing at 6'5", and, or excuse me, six, he's 6'7", 219. Why isn't he standing up for someone? See, I believe that they, I don't know if it comes down to whether they choose not to or whether or not Kruger is saying don't do anything. Because the thing is, though, is like Kruger as much as like it isn't shown that he does this, he stresses discipline on the ice. This team is one of the most disciplined. This team is actually the second most disciplined team in the national hockey league in terms of everything right now. But the thing is though, is like, are they choosing not to like engage in these confrontations or is Kruger making them take a step back? Like, and saying like, Hey, don't do this because if Kruger, Go ahead, go ahead. I doubt that because you're hockey players. You People know how aggressive this game is. And once it's time to step up and stand up for someone, it's time. It doesn't matter what your coach says. It's showing that you're going to be there for your teammates. And the Sabres are just lacking that grittiness. Like They have been hitting more this year than they have past, especially uh, Rasmus Riesalein. And he just is a man. It looks like a man amongst boys out there, to be honest. This is my favorite version of Rasmus Ristolainen this season. He looks like he actually cares, and he is probably, every single game this season, he has shown that he wants to be out there, and he's giving it 100% all season. And he has been by far been our best player. But I just wish someone would just step up for our players and be like, all right, you're going to do that, then come deal with me at least. Yeah, I know. Kind of like you. I, I miss the days where like we had Pat Coletta. Pat Coletta, Andrew Peters, any of those guys, Rob Ray. Yeah, Rob Ray, Craig Reve. I... Like even Johan Larson would fight somebody randomly. <laughs> I remember one. I remember one game I went to. I I remember one game I went to. I forget what game. I forget what game it was. I went to. He scored a goal, and then like five seconds later, after the faceoff, like he got into a fight with somebody. And I'm like, what the fuck is Larson doing here? Just fighting some <laughs> random, random motherfucker. I get the game is kind of getting away from that, but look at all at the, the, look at all time, the teams the that have players. won the cup in the last years. They have those gritty guys that will get in there, do the dirty work that other guys don't want to, and they have guys that will throw the body around, get in fights when needed, and that is what makes great teams great. It's not all about skill. Is great. Sabers have a lot of skilled players but they don't have that toughness and grit that teams that go to the Stanley cup or you just make it to the finals have. Exactly. Exactly. The lightning and stars are both gritty teams. Vegas is a very gritty team. Vegas is very, very gritty. Uh, Boston. I mean, they made the couple final couple seasons ago. They've always been gritty. They've all, they've also been very dirty too. I mean, any team, any team that'll have Brad Marchand on it will instantly become a dirty team. But yeah, Marchand's defense. If Brad Marchand played for the Buffalo Sabres and did what he does for Boston, the city of Buffalo would love that man. But because oh, he's just one of those guys you hate to play against because he's good and he's 
He's kind of he is dirty, but you well, want that for your team. Yes, definitely. You want that for your team. You don't want that on the opposition, obviously. I mean, the thing is, though, is like, yeah, I wish we had that grit. I wish we had somebody that like would want to like, you know, stand up to somebody and fight and stand up to somebody and defend their players. I mean, obviously, in my opinion, the only person I feel like that would actually want to do that is our captain. And I'm not, and I'm not having my fucking captain go up and get, go up and fight somebody uh, almost every night because, <laughs> because, because one that just looks fucking ridiculous. And second off, if our captain gets his ass kicked in a fight, then who? Then and if none of these fucking why if none of these fucking assholes want to uh, fight, what makes them think that they're gonna stand up for Eichel if something happens I'm to him? To di- it's just a- I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. I I don't think Eichel would be a fighter. I. I don't think he'd I be think a fighter. I mean, the I, only guy on our team that I will see every once in a while stop up and fight someone is Jake McCabe. McCabe does he fight. He is the I'm only guy on our like, team that will fight when needed. But other than yeah, that, Rissalainen talks to people and gives them shots here and there, but Rissal never really gets in fights. I saw no, Michael get in one fight and it was just a dancing fest. Yeah, it was a dancing fest. But the thing is, though, is I feel like based on this team with showing the passion and the grit, I feel like it is Eichel. I'm not saying he's – I'm not expecting him to get into a fight anytime soon, obviously. <laughs> but if I had to choose anybody, like, it would probably be, I- like, Eichel or McCabe, honestly. I can't see Darlene getting into a fight on- – uh, Darlene getting into a fight. I can't – Yoki Haru, I can't see I- – I really I really don't see him, like, you know, chirping at anybody or doing anything to anybody. Um, honestly, Swedish guys don't like to fight in Dallas defense. No. All these Swedish guys, they're they're all pretty boys who come into the league, and they yeah, all can. They like all these time. Swedish guys can skate, but yeah, I just wish the Sabers had that more of a grittiness. Like a guy like Ryan Reeves would be great on our team. Yes, just to Gritty. have that toughness out there, because he's probably the toughest guy in the league. But back in the day. Ryan Reeves wouldn't even be one of the closest to the toughest players in the league. Oh God, no! I mean, Ray, <laughs> Rob Ray, Rob Ray would ap- apply the coup de gras to uh, Ryan Reeves almost every time they got into a, they got at each other. Honestly, although I feel like, yeah, although I feel like you could give Ty Domi a run for his money potentially, but that's just because I hate Toronto. Who doesn't hate Toronto? Uh, Toronto fans, but then again, even that, and I think they get pissed off at their at their team for failing. But you know, I'm gonna, overall, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, and I was going to get into the players' mind real fast. Do you think going back to you with Ralph Kruger, do you think he's telling the players to take the cheap shots so they can draw penalties? And be like, okay, take the penalties, but we're going to come out here and beat you with our power play. Potentially. I mean, I'm not draw. I'm not going to draw. I'm actually not going to go against that. Honestly, I'm not saying maybe he's not directly telling them to, but like, maybe it's like hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, do this. And we'll, and we'll get our, we'll get our power play out there and like, we'll just destroy them with the power play. I mean, if he is doing that, that's, it's a good strategy in a way, but at the same time, like, you know, it just kind of shows that like, I mean, it, it's a good strategy, but at the same time, I I wouldn't like that happening a lot because the thing is, though, is like I'm watching our power. I mean, like our power play, like our power play, like is not bad, but at the same time, I feel like it could definitely be better. Seventy five percent this year, which isn't bad. 
So we're scoring no. three out of every four times, which I would take, but it could be better. The problem is with the Sabres power play is we have so many guys on our team who are playmakers who are looking to pass first before they shoot. And I just, Olofsson is the only guy who is a really shoot first player on the Sabres. Because on our first power play, you have Hall, Eichel, uh, Reno, uh, Dallin, and um, who am I missing? Yeah, who are you missing? I know who you're missing too. But yeah, I, I get the point there. But and the thing is though, is like, yeah, I I agree with you on that because the thing is though, is I'm watching a power place the last couple the last couple games, and I'm thinking to myself, stop ha- like all like they'll just pass back and forth like at the blue like at the top of the blue line, like in that triangle almost for the most part. And I'm thinking to myself, just fucking shoot the puck. Like if you get it to the if you get it to the top of the blue line, just have a one timer. Yeah. Have a one timer on that and see what happens. Because the puck can bounce anywhere. Have... Get pucks on that. You don't know where that puck's going. Hit a body in front exactly. it's gonna go in. Why not shoot? But the Sabres do need a second, a better second power play. They have the second po- a power play unit has been shaky this season. Every time I see them on the ice, it seems like that puck is being dumped in, and they're trying to. They can't get the puck in the zone consistently because they dump it in, and as soon as they dump it in, the other team gets and just dumps it right back out. And that's what's different yep. with our first power play because you can have you have Eichel and Dallin who can just skate the puck in there, and then they end up working it around. Which they move the puck around fantastically, but it doesn't matter if you're not getting shots on that. You're just wasting time for the no, other you- team at that point. Exactly. You need to get shots on net. I feel like, honestly, I feel like, you know, you get that opportunity, like if you get that opportunity in the zone, just to one time it, then take it. Anything can happen because the thing is those, you already know that there's going to be somebody like right on somebody like right in the area of the, like right at, like pretty much like right on top of the goaltender. And who knows what will happen, whether it gets tipped in or if the goaltender's vision is, blo- is uh, blocked because, you know, you've got, You've got somebody in front of him. Anything could happen right there. But yes, the second power play, I'm not a fan of because, like you said, they dump it in. And the thing is, though, is like if it gets dumped in and nobody on the, and nobody on that second power play line gets to the puck, all of a sudden the puck's back at the other end, and the Sabers have to regroup and start all over again. And that's about anywhere from five to ten seconds taken off that time exactly. right there. And exactly. The same thing with when the first power play line just passes around because they'll go anywhere from like three to five seconds, pass, pass, pass. I'm like, just shoot the puck already. God, like, like for fuck's sake, just shoot. I would love to keep but, Michael out on both power plays just to have that have that guy be able to get the puck in the zone. I don't care. On the power play, you're not seeing around that much. Keep him out there that whole two minutes. Keep exactly, because that's the whole shift right there. Exactly. Just keep him out there. Let him take the puck in the zone for that second power play at least. And then just get the set of the puck up. Move it around a little bit on that second power play. Exactly. Exactly. But you know who has really impressed me this year? No, who hasn't? Uh, Dylan. Or no, who has? No, I said who oh, has. Yeah, yeah Cousins. Cousins. I, I had a feeling yeah. you were going to say Cousins. Yeah, Cousins is a stud right now. three points in Do six I... games as a rookie. That's not bad. He's averaging... Uh, 12 minutes uh, of ice per game, which isn't bad. He's on the third line. And I can't complain with anything this kid's doing. He's big. He's strong. He has adapted to the NHL game very well compared to how some rookies do who are drafted when he was. I get 
this is his second year after being drafted, but this is his first year playing. But he has looked very, very good to me, and I am very happy with the decision to keep him up with the Sabres. Oh, I am too. Kid, like I said, the kid's a stud. It's just whether or not like he can keep the momentum, keep the confidence up. Obviously, like he's showing that seven games into the season. But the thing that really got to me was like, why did they like sit him after he scored his first goal and put Casey Middlestad out there? The only thing I can think of there is that they decided to showcase Middlestad off as some sort of trade bait, which I don't think is going to work in reality. They may end up having to pay somebody to take Middlestad because he really hasn't come along, even though like a lot of us thought that he would after after the World Juniors. And and the thing is, though, is like like you said a few podcast episodes ago, like when we talked about previewing the team and the league and league season, everything like. Cousins dominated the world juniors, but the thing is, though, is he has not gone in the direction of Casey Middlestat. He is just continuing to show his growth and confidence, and the three points that he has in these six games he's played has shown that as well. And the thing is, though, is I feel like he's only going to get better, and eventually will probably be probably like, I would, he'll probably be the best, Sabres best player, probably in like five, depending on if I was just going to say, he's going to throw Jack under the bus like that. But um, going back to why they sat him, I think it's just because how this season is laid out, how we're playing so many games so fast. It was just to kind of give him a break because he just came in oh, from the world yes. juniors, just playing games basically every other night. So I think, I think that move, was just to let him rest a little bit and then hopefully bring a middle setup was just so to see if he could show anything or not, which he didn't impress me. No, middle set has he hasn't impressed, impressed me at all. all the whole time he's been with the Sabres. I don't know if we were to trade him. I don't know how much we could get for it. I doubt anything. Like I said, we- like I said, we may have to pay somebody yeah, I, to take him, which would be pretty sad it would at this be point. For, uh, Probably like a pick, just probably yeah, like a, like a sixth yeah. round. I would, I was gonna say fourth rounder, but other than that, I don't see what we could get for him. I think that they're afraid to trade him because if they trade him, it could come and come back and bite them in the ass. That's why I feel like they haven't traded. That's why I feel like they haven't traded him yet. But the thing is, though, is like. I don't like that's the risk that you're willing to take if you trade anybody. So if you want to trade him, get something out of it. But at the same time, too, it goes back to like I said, it goes back to uh, the situation with UPL. Like, is hit like, and even Darlene, like with the confidence, uh, too. Like, it, his confidence is shot, in my opinion. I feel like at the same time, he isn't being developed properly, middle stats. And also, I feel like. He, I feel like that he can just do – like, he had so much flair. He was doing so well. He dominated the World Juniors. His, in his only year at Minnesota, he was he was doing so Jimmy well, Cushman. too. But then, like, he came – yeah. And then he came to Buffalo, and, like, I feel like they brought him up too early. I feel like they brought him up too early. I mean, like, I called that he called for him to be brought up. But looking back at it now, I feel like he wasn't fully ready. 
And then he just didn't look, he didn't look the same when he was in Rochester. So I feel like it's a little bit like his confidence is shot, but at the same time, because he knows that he's in Buffalo and like, they're not going to get rid of him anytime soon. He can just do as he please, pleases. But in my opinion, like that's not an attitude to have. And I feel like if he should want to play, like he should like work hard to get where he can be. And be the player that every be the player that we all thought he was supposed to be because he he honestly should be he should be our second line center right now if he actually gave it middle set i feel like he should be our second or third line center if he actually gave it damn yes middle set should he is i don't he only we signed him for got him a one-year deal this year so this is going to be his last year with the sabers if we decide not to re-sign him. But I don't know. Rochester, the problem is with Rochester is they're always very good. They are always seem like they're competing for in the Calder Cup playoffs. But I just, no one from Rochester really develops into a star. Typically, they always no. end up coming up to Buffalo, playing a game or here and there, and then they're shipped away. And so I don't know what the problem is because Rochester always seems to be a good AHL team. I don't know if it's just because there's so many young kids who are very skilled at hockey, but they just can't adapt to the NHL level or if it's something with them developing down there, how they're developing them. But I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's more along the lines of like how they're developing them. And at the same time too, because the thing is though, is like, well, I mean, the thing is, though, is obviously, like, we know that the AHL is used as, used as a developmental league for the net, for the NHL. But at the same time, too, is, like, it's still, uh, it's still a professional hockey league where they have to compete for their own trope, for their own, like, t- for their own title for the most part. And if you take away all the kids that the Amherst, that the Amherst have, like, that they're developing – you just have like a bunch of like washed up old NHLers that old NHLers that can't walk away from the game of hockey, so they just like play in the AHL and like all these other minor They're also leagues. there though to help. They're supposed to be there to help develop the young kids. I think. I think yeah. you're right. They just the- want to get paid and just still play hockey more than anything. They really don't help the kids develop a lot, in my opinion. I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, though, is like I've been out here in Rochester for over four years now, and I've seen a few Amherst games. And I mean, the kids look really well, like when I watch them, because I go to the Amherst games not to actually like cheer. I, I mean, like, yeah, it's nice to see the, uh, like a hockey team out here in Rochester, like actually kind of do pretty well. But I'm watching the kids like uh, I I. Like when Thompson was out here, like when Thompson was out here, I was watching him. When Milstead was out here, I was watching him. Like, I mean, at the same, like I was watching and seeing like how they were doing and and other draft picks that they brought up to Rochester as well too. Like I don't like there are people that are asking me that like, oh, what do you think about like you know like I couldn't even tell you like one of the older guys on the team anymore. I know that Nate, like I know that I know that Nathan Pace was was still on the team up until this season where he retired finally. But they're asking like people I know are asking me about these old dudes. I'm like, I don't care about these old dudes. They're old. They're washed up. They're never coming back up to Buffalo. (laughs) Um, switching up topics here a little bit. Jeff Skinner. I don't get what Buffalo's doing with him. 
you you play the guy with Jack, and he looked like a complete stud. So we go and pay him nine million, and we don't play him with Jack anymore. Skinner is one of those guys that if he's played with an elite center, he is going to be an elite player. But right now we have him sitting on our fourth line, centered by Curtis Azar, and on the right wing is Riley Shagan. And you expect him? Yeah, I, I don't get what Kruger's mindset is here. I get last year he didn't have a great season, but he also had them on the second line last season. He wasn't playing with Eichel once again. And you the reason you paid him was because Jack Eichel. I get now Taylor Hall is our left winger on the first line, but why not try him at right wing? Or Because I know Hall doesn't want to play right wing, so why not try Justin at right wing? Just that line up top. And then you, and then you can put all, and then you can put Olafson down, to, and then you, you can, can just bump Olafson down the line and just yeah, bump the could, line, and then just drop, reeling, You could drop Olafson to the third line, uh, drop Akposo back to the fourth line, and because I just I don't know, I don't get I don't get why we're gonna yeah, pay no. him so much to have him sit on our fourth line. It kind of looks like that contract we gave Akposo, and once we did, he just kind of did nothing, and he sat on our third and fourth line for a while. He has looked very good this year, though. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, Akposo has looked very good this year, but I just don't get. He has only played two games, but in those yeah. two games played, he has looked pretty good. But the thing is, going back to Skinner, I feel like Kruger just doesn't like him. I could see that. I mean, the thing is, though, is like if you didn't like the guy, then. Well, that's where the contract comes in. Like you can't, you like you, you look like idiots if you trade away somebody that you just signed to a huge contract because the coach doesn't yeah. like them, and that happens a lot. And all that happens a lot in all sports. I mean, obviously, like look at the Eagles. I mean, they're trying to figure out what to do with Carson Wentz, and he has like a ninety million dollar. He has like that ninety hundred million dollar contract that eats up uh, eats up a yeah. ton of cap space. So if they trade away Skinner, like. It's just a matter of trying to figure out what to do with that contract and how much they'll end up having to eat up still no after one's he's gonna gone. No going to want him, so, so we're going to have to eat up a lot of that contract if we were to ship him away. Because right now we're looking – we only – going into the next season, our projected cap space is like around uh, $1.9 million. So it's not great. I geez, get it's a different season, so not bringing as much income, but that gives, gives you money to bring in probably – Two third or fourth liners. It's yeah, that's about it. That is Sabres. about it. But on the good note, though, we do look good this year. So if we could retain, we do him, look well, good. We, and the thing, only problem is though, too, next year is we have to pay Hall if we want to keep him around because he's only on to, that one year deal. And Reinhardt's only on a yeah, one year. I too. think Reinhardt. So I think he had uh, a season left, so he still has two with the Sabers at least. Yeah, two. Okay, I knew that we signed him to an extension. I didn't know like it was because it was, I couldn't remember if his contract. No, was that we could have waited this year. To, but we could have yeah. waited this year, and Reinhardt would have been with us next year. But I think they just kind of want to get it done and show Reinhardt we want him here. Because yeah, we do he's a want great him player. here. And the thing is, those I know, and he loves Buffalo, and the fans love him. And the thing is, those if like they let if if the organization let him go, I feel like that would kind of be like one of the final straws 
of the Pagula ownership, whereas the fans would eventually just like lose their shit. Just on top of the fact that nothing yeah. good has actually come out yeah. of their ownership. So if you let a fan favorite like him go, that would just the be only nice thing is, if we cake. traded Reinhardt, we could get a solid player. Like if we were to want to get rid of Reinhardt, we could trade him for a solid player. We could trade him. Oh, for definitely. A, I feel. Prob- I would say we could trade him for a top three forward. Yes, we could, honestly. I mean, I feel like it would be like the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade like that that happened. I, I feel like, so you know, they, so did I. But the thing is, though, is Winnipeg wanted to get rid of Line A, so it, that's just called proper asset That's a hockey trade right, right there. there, one for so, one. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, honestly, that's like a, ch- that's really like a trade you make on Shell, honestly. Kind of how we got yeah, Eric Stahl. <laughs> just one for one hockey trade. Who did we give up again for Stahl? What Yoki garbage. No, I'm, ser- no, I'm just got kidding. Yoki Haru. Um, who did we give up for Stahl? I don't remember. On the tip of my tongue. I don't remember. What garbage did we give up? I'm looking it up right now. I know we still. I got us. Marcus Johansson. Oh, we got, we gave up that Johansson. was one of the okay, best so trades the Bulls have made because. You're you're paying Johansson, Johansson more really than we were for Stall. Yeah, exactly. And Johansson really hasn't no. done anything when he was in Buffalo. I mean, everybody thought he would have a veteran presence. I mean, that's about all he did, but he didn't do anything on the ice. Yeah, no, the Stall trade has really worked out, uh, in my opinion, so far. Uh, so so far, and he's contributed well. Honestly, all of our acquisitions have done yeah. well, in my opinion. My, I mean, it's just a matter of like hope. Hopefully, Eakin can figure it out. I mean, I would love Cody Eakin to succeed and succeed here. I feel like uh, that. Uh, I feel like it's a good move that we brought. I would have thought still. he would have at least had an Going assist back- by now. He has seven games played, zero goals, zero assists, which it's not great, but he has played well. When he's been in the ice, he has yes, played he well. Has played well. Um. He's played on the line with Reader and Akposo, and he just—he looks well. I just wish he would produce more. But hey, I can't complain. With the yeah. Sabers look good right now, and I'm excited about the season. I did pick them to make the playoffs, and right now, we're right now we're only two points. We're only two points behind only, in fourth place. Yeah, we're only two point. We're only one I get point it's still or two early back. in the I mean, season, the still, but. But all exactly. we need is fourth. All we need is fourth. And all I feel like for as long as like I'm not saying we need obviously like winning the East Division with the teams that are in it is probably not attainable. But given how crazy and tight the division is already, I'm not completely ruling it out. But I'm I think that like we could get third or fourth should have fourth could easily happen because of how tight and close everything is but third i feel like we could get third or we could get yeah, third in this the division, division from what i thought going into the beginning of the season this division is not as tough as i thought the flyers started no, off the, Rangers the flyers they look good in their first two games against the penguins but it's but as soon I as Sean Couturier went down they just kind of been like just floating around there and the capitals are good. They still haven't lost a game in regulation yet. They only, their only three losses are in overtime. No. 
The Bruins are all right. Yes. And the Penguins, I don't know what's going on there because did you see their GM just quit today? Yeah, the GM just quit today. He got he left due to personal reasons. Uh, the AGM is mm-hmm. taking over currently, but they're starting to look for a replacement at ASAP. Um, I, I wonder was, what that's all about. When I saw that, about, I was honestly. curious. But the Islanders have disappointed me this season. And honestly, the Rangers have surprised me with how bad they've looked. The Rangers suck. Okay, I mean, I mean, they really made no true acquisitions in the offseason. I mean, yeah, you drafted your hot shot left winger, Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, but the thing is, though, is that he has no points through six games. And everybody was hyping him up, saying, like, oh, yeah, here comes Alexi Lafreniere. He's going to, like, torch the league in his rookie season all the way to uh, the rookie of the year and here and help the Rangers make the playoffs. But the thing is, though, is, like, the Rangers have not impressed me. I mean, is you what? What do you? If he's not on the first line right now, uh, and the thing is, though, is Panarin really hasn't done anything to impress me. Zibanejad, really? Come on, you're gonna put him with Zibanejad? No, I mean, uh, God, it just uh, the Rangers situation right now with what they have. They should be one of the top teams in the East Division I right now, they but they're not. I get they skimmed through to playoffs last year but they were a good team. And then they had the number one overall pick in Alex Lafreniere. And I thought coming in, I thought he was going to be a stud. And right now, it's not looking that way. I think, see, goes back to not playing hockey for, well, I mean, they they didn't allow him to play for the World Juniors, so... When, when was the last time he actually like actually like laced up skates and like actually got game action? They didn't allow him to play for the World Juniors, which kind of sucked. Actually, I would have loved to see him uh, play for Team Canada. I mean, that team would have uh, that team that team would have just been much better with the kids they already have. But uh, yeah, I mean, it he has really shocked me with like no points. He hasn't really done anything to impress me right now but at the same time like is it just because like of how one of how like you know the whole world has been currently and him just adapting to life in life in new york but i don't want to beat up on the kid too much like the new york media anytime you get a a big market like that the media is going to beat up on you thankfully in new york though oh exactly the Yankees are that city's number one team. Then the Knicks are number two. The Rangers, the Rangers kind of fall yeah, the down Knicks there, like the number three range. And I would, you might even be able to put the Giants or the Jets over the Rangers. It's thankfully not a hockey city for that kid, so it's not going to be as as much of a problem as it would if he was playing in Toronto as, or Montreal. Any of those Canadian Montreal. cities, they Imagine love their it. hockey. But Tim, they do love their hockey. If, if if he was up in Montreal, I mean, you have a French-Canadian playing for the premier hockey team in the national – oh, my God, that would have been a disaster if he was, like, starting out bad. But that but the thing is, though, is, like, with the situation in the East, the Sabres will contend for that fourth and potential third spot for, to make the playoffs. The only thing that's going to bother me is if the Sabres continue to impress and – you know, just get just get a point streak together. I'm not saying a winning streak. I mean, obviously, I would love wins wins just to pile up, honestly. But like, if they go into a stretch of like you know, 
where they win like four, three, four in a row, but and then they like right. get points because they go to overtime or a shootout after that. You know, if that happens and they're like pushing for that fourth spot, there's going to be a lot of people that like all of a sudden, you know, think that they're a hockey expert talking about this team and it's just going to frustrate the shit out of me because I'm like, no, you know nothing about hockey. Go back and crawl, go back to the I mean, rocket. Yeah, ever since out since of. the first two games of the season, the Sabres are three, one and one, which isn't bad. The second game we lost to the Capitals, um, the second game of the season, we looked really good. We just couldn't score. They, I, I felt like the Sabres dominated that game. We just couldn't score. But they did. I just hope they, they don't did. go into honestly, the Sabres flunk honestly, like they do have the past two years where they go on this winning streak and then all of a sudden they can't win anymore. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, I feel like a point streak would yeah. be good. Like, not win, like, ten in a row and then shit the bet. Like, win four or five in a row, then, like, maybe go to overtime in a shootout or shoot out a couple games. Uh, a couple games. You don't need to win those. I mean, like, it would be nice if they did, but, like, you know, just to, like, remind – just to, like, you know, keep them afloat, but, like, say, right. don't yeah, let the dogs go season, to the those, those one points but, matter because hockey, for a win, it's two points. A loss, it's one. So you're not losing yeah, much. It's not like the NBA where a win's worth three points, but I get they don't get points for overtime losses. But having just taking points here and there, like even if they're getting killed in a game and somehow scrapped overtime and losing overtime, that's still a big boost because at the end of the season, all those one-point games matter. Exactly. Exactly. And – that's why I think this. I, that's why I think they'll make the playoffs. I think that they'll. I think that they're fine. I. I think that. I think that they'll be fine. I think we'll make the playoffs. I think that everybody will get it together eventually. Obviously, having Eichel off the Schneid with his goal with his first goal helped because we all knew that he wasn't going to shoot at zero percent the entire season. It's just a matter of how the reaction to the team will continue to be whether or not, you know, they will overreact, what fans will overreact, whether they'll underreact, whether they won't react at all, or if, the, or, or if they'll call WGR like <laughs> ha, at like nine in the morning and call for everybody to be fired or traded though. Um, like, <laughs> three hours, three hours into the season and somebody already called for Kruger to be I'm, fired. I'm, Unreal. I'm just excited to see this first line actually start clicking and scoring at full strength because this first line me too me. they could i in my opinion they can compete with any of the top first lines in the league and all together so i lied earlier in the show um risto has two goals and then uh hall and Eichel both have one so they only have four goals combined in seven games this first line, once you get clicking, I think they're going to be a goal or two uh, night uh, line. Oh, yeah. And if they get clicking like that, then forget it. Like, honestly, honestly, as long as the first line gets a goal or two, I mean, it's just a matter. And that'll just boost confidence up for the second line and so on, the third line and so on and so forth. And if you see, like, because they'll see the production coming from the first line. And then they'll realize that, like, hey, we can't rely on these guys all the time. Yeah. Like, we actually need to get shit done ourselves. But, uh, yeah, no, that's my stance on the team. I think, like, they'll make the playoffs. I'm I, sure yeah, you're I'm in agreement right me. now. But just because I, in the beginning of the season, this division looked very scary. 
And right now, it's anyone's game, to be honest. Anyone can win this division. Everyone is still close. I get we're only seven games into the season, but it is still – it's exciting to see that the Sabres are kind of competing already in the beginning of the season. They're winning games that matter, especially because we're only going to be playing these other six, seven teams. Excuse me. We're only going to be playing these seven teams all season. So why not go show we could beat up on the big dogs and get into playoffs? Exactly. Exactly. Lots more games to come, though. They play the Rangers. They play the Rangers again tomorrow night. And then after that, I think it's a trip to New Jersey. I believe that, but I mean, I mean, like, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to take it one game at a time yep. here. We've got a game against the Rangers, and then and yeah, we go to New, we go to New doubles. Jersey on the weekend. Yes, and the Islanders come to. We got the Islanders and Bruins at home. Uh, actually, you got that backwards, buddy. We New Jersey comes here, and then we go on a road trip to the Islanders. No, we're going Boston. to New Jersey. I'm looking. I'm looking at it I'm right now at as it. well. I'm looking at. It. Oh well, my cal- my schedule. I have the schedule like put into my calendar, Google, like on my phone, uh, and it's saying Google's that we're playing at home against the Devils. <laughs> Google is fake why, news. That's why you can't believe news. anything. One you of see us on is getting told fake news. Oh, you know, what? I take it back. Your phone. I am exactly. I'm a, I'm a little dumb. <laughs> you're uh, you're reading, reading it wrong. wrong, aren't you? Oh boy! I, uh, I am a part of the problem. The fake news. You're, 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 I'm you're, you're, you're spreading sorry. fake news to everyone. We go. Well, that's why we're Jeez, taking right. one you know game what? at a time. We can't. Sabers are gonna win five two tomorrow night. That's all that matters. Eichel's gonna score. Eichel's gonna you know score what? two I'll goals take, tomorrow night and have two apples. Calling it right now. Eichel's has a four point night tomorrow night. Uh, Four point night. I love it. Honestly, um, uh, I, right. I'm going to say four two. I'm going to say four two. Um, uh, one of them's going to be an empty nighter. I feel like it'll be a closer game because these teams know each other. It's not like the old day. It's not like it's not like seasons before where, you know, you play you play a team like once and then all of a sudden you don't play the same team again until like ten games later. Yeah. Like they'll they'll have more of like they'll have more knowledge of like how to play. And it'll be fresh in their minds. But yeah, Sabre should win tonight. I'll say, tomorrow night. I'll say four to two. One of them being an empty netter because it'll be a close game. They'll make the playoffs. I think I'm gonna take based on how they are now, I'll say they have the fourth seed now, but I feel they they should take the fourth seed. But we'll go back. We'll later on in the season we'll do a midseason review um uh, halfway through and maybe things hopefully, will hopefully change that there. review is happy but for us. Hopefully we're gonna not move in that review. <laughs> Hopefully we're not miserable during that review. I do not want to be drinking while I'm recording a review mid-season. But uh, speaking of the internet, we're going to move on to our next topic. Back a week ago on inauguration day, everybody thought that the talk would be Joe Biden and Kamala Harris becoming the next president and vice president. It was not the case. Bernie Sanders, the longtime representative from Vermont, became the talk of the of the internet because of two reasons. First off, he grabbed his mail before the inauguration ceremony. Did you see that? Did you happen to watch the inauguration ceremony at all on on social media? Take a look at it. Did you have it on? T- did you have it a little bit? No, I, I watched the I mean, it's okay if you didn't. 
and watch the farewell speech. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's about okay. I I watched. I did. I watched them take oath. That was about it. But then I saw the memes pop up. Uh, I saw the picture, the original picture of Bernie Sanders, and then I saw the memes pop up. But yes, he grabbed his mail. He had he had two Manila envelopes like in his hand before he sat down. And then he, you see the picture of him just sitting down, like with his hand arms crossed and the, and the gloves, the the mittens, the the sewn together mittens that were sewn by like some local Vermont businesswoman from Vermont actually like so he is dedicated to his state in more in more ways than one honestly so I give him props for that I wish like our representatives here in New York actually gave a damn about you us you know that's never going to change <laughs> <laughs> Como doesn't no, care that's never about going to change. the city he, he only cares about the city doesn't care about anything else and he cares about his money this is true. This is very true. And and our and our national representatives, well, Schumer cares when he wants to, but that's a side issue. But Bernie Sanders, honestly, like the memes that they like all of a sudden, like he was just being photoshopped into into anything that you can think of. Honestly, the chair, like it was just done so well, like you just had him. I saw one thing, like there were pictures of him just saying courtside, like photoshopped of him saying courtside at basketball games and saw like sitting in the, stand, in the stands at, so- at soccer games. Uh, he, my my school actually uh, photoshopped him into uh, like because they, on their Instagram account, they posted how they were getting ready to reopen. And they had they photoshopped the picture like that picture of him into the dining hall saying, Oh look, we have a guest <laughs> like already ready him, for us. <laughs> uh, sitting next to Forrest Gump on the bench. Yes, the one of him sitting next to Forrest Gump on the bench was great. My favorite though, and this will go into our next topic here. Somehow they photoshopped him because of how his, his arms were positioned. They photoshopped him like for like you know, uh like wrap like around the ground. <laughs> oh, I like saw, giving I him a saw sleeper that hold. <laughs> I saw that one. I'm thinking to myself, who did this? Because like, the like McGregor was laying down on the ground and like he was kind of like you know he had his eyes closed for a minute. And then all of a sudden I saw that meme. I'm like, who did this? What the fuck? It was great, honestly though. Like the the amount of creativity that happens on the internet. Just goes to show that, like, if you actually cared to do something and have, like, if you actually cared to, like, put effort into something, like, the endless wonders that could happen from it. And people just decided to, like, you could do with their free time, make these memes, and they all became an overnight and continue to be a sensation, honestly. I mean, I go on, I still go on Twitter and Instagram, like, today like a week later and i'm seeing them still and i'm like okay like god when's the what's the next internet trend going to be but uh i enjoy i i I, they make me laugh they they do make me laugh um uh i like bernie bernie sanders himself actually took he took advantage of like the meme too he actually had the like the pic like the picture himself like of himself sitting on the chair it was put onto a sweater and he actually sold the sweaters. I think it was like 40, 45 bucks a, uh, a sweater. But they all sold out within like the day or whatever. And all the money went to uh, the, the Meals See, on Meals of Vermont. Bernie Sanders. But that's funny. And that's good for him for actually putting that money back into his community. 
Yeah, no, I don't care much so about memes, Bernie Sanders. Funny. I thought the memes good, were good funny. Good on him for doing and that, I thought, not taking any of the money. The, oh, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Like, uh, even you, you're starting. Hopefully, like you start to realize that, like you know, maybe these politicians actually like can take fun into things and start to realize how things are. But uh, we're gonna go into our next topic here uh, with the topic of Conor McGregor after he lost to. Dustin Poirier at UFC 257. Your take on the fight, first off, and then I want your take okay. on what so you think my McGregor's take on the future fight is. McGregor wasn't prepared for this fight at all. People were saying how in shape he looked. I thought McGregor looked skinny. And he didn't... He, he looks good. I mean, he's got muscles still. But he looks skinnier than normal to me. So that right there alone, McGregor's known for his power. Him not having that muscle mass on him anymore takes away the power that he has. Um, Poirier, he was ready for this fight. 100% was ready for this fight against McGregor. Um, that kick to McGregor's leg, it just kind of, it just sealed the fight for him. McGregor could barely walk around anymore. Yeah. He, fin- he finished he broke the fight with it, but McGregor, he just wasn't prepared for this fight at all. Um, I doubt no. McGregor has another fight in the UFC. I think Conor McGregor, honestly, is going to do what Ronda, Ronda Rousey did. And I think he's going to make a name for himself in the WWE. Just because Conor McGregor loves his money. And the WWE would definitely be willing to pay yes. him. Having that kind of name would bring in so much money oh, for the 100%. WWE, and will bring in more money for Conor McGregor, and exactly they'd also bring in well. new fans. But um, yeah, I did that fight yes. just never. It was hyped up because it was McGregor's first fight back since he fought Cowboy. Since he fought Cowboy Sharon. Yeah, since he fought Cowboy. Uh, that was what about a year and a half ago, two years. Yes. Uh, over just over a year, almost almost actually just under a okay. year, over just over a year. I'm trying to, yeah, just over a year actually, because I do remember watching. I was I was still in school when that fight happened. We hadn't gone into lockdown. We hadn't gone into lockdown yet. Well, not lockdown, but we hadn't gone into like what we are now, what we're currently in now. So yes, I, mean, I it was Conor just McGregor about a year is ago. Not old by any that. means, but so he could still be in the MMA if he wanted, but. He's 32 years old, and his record is 22-5-0 in MMA. So you're looking at just under 30 fights. And I don't care what anyone says, this is probably the most physical demanding sport because you have to be willing to get your shit kicked in every single time you step into that ring. And it can lead to a lot of health deficiencies later in your life, just like we saw happen with Muhammad Ali. Life. Yes. You don't, especially with how much money Conor McGregor oh, has, yes, I definitely. doubt he wants to risk anything happening to him. I, I could be wrong. No, I hope because he retires he has... because he's yeah, going to go down as probably yeah. one of the greatest MMA fighters. Well, Khabib pro- is technically the greatest MMA fighter, but just from what people remember, it's going to be Conor McGregor whenever they're asked about MMA. Him yes. and Dana White together, they kind of made each other because before Conor McGregor came up, uh, UFC was kind of falling off. They were losing money and ratings and stuff. And then kind of this young kid, Conor McGregor, comes in. 
this Irish cocky motherfucker who everyone just was drawn to and loved because he can he is of his you can relate yourself to him because he's just an everyday guy who just worked his ass off to get where he was. He was never handed anything in his life, and people loved that. And he was cocky, exactly. and he deserved to be. Yeah, no, I mean, you're pretty much spot on there for the most. You're pretty much spot on there for the most part. I mean, the fight, yeah, it was hyped up. It was obviously, any obviously UFC tries to hype up any of their pay per view fights that they have, whether it's a title fight or a non title fight. But obviously, like their money maker for years has been Conor McGregor, even though he has not fought in about a year's time. And the thing is, though, is I feel like, and he even said himself, like he, and even though he, he even said himself, like he felt that, like he wasn't prepared did enough for the fight because he well, hadn't fought in a long that? time. And I think I thought he looked skinny. He didn't. I I think he looks a little skinnier than he than he should have been. I think that it's more along the lines of like he doesn't really prepare himself enough for. He needs. He didn't prepare himself well enough for this fight because he had been out of the fight game for so long. And for somebody of like an MMA fighter in the, in the top league of UFC, he said, McGregor said this himself. He needs to be fighting more than once a year. You need to have, you need to be fighting like four, anywhere from three to five times a year. That way you can constantly keep yourself in shape. You're training all the time. I think that, with the controversy surrounding him, because yes, he is their money. He is the money maker of UFC, and he will continue to be the money maker of UFC as long as he is in association with UFC. But with the controversy that surrounds him, there was the incident where he where he got out of the octagon and fought with Khabib and fought with and fought with Khabib's entourage after the first uh, Khabib fight. Then there was the incident where he. Got were with the with Khabib's boss, uh, and and he got and he had that incident there. Then there was the then then there was the altercation where he got where he got charged uh, where he got accused of smashing somebody's cell phone because they were taking pictures of them. And then there's others like there's others that I yeah. can't I know there's others that we know about, but like it's just a list of like all this controversy. So if he's getting into all these legal battles. And also, uh, so if he's getting into these legal battles, he can't focus on fighting. He has to put time to his legal battles. And then there's also the fact that, like, most of these fights, I I don't know about most of these fighters' public lives because they're not publicized enough where Conor McGregor is. But he has, he has a wife. He has a child. He has a family that he has a family to that he that he is around almost all the time. So it, it's just more along the lines of like, is his passion for the fight game gone too? And I'm not just saying that because of his family. I'm saying, I think that goes back to when he boxed against Floyd Mayweather and he took all that money because I feel like his love for MMA like really changed after that because he knew that he could make more money doing boxing or even if he went into the WWE like you think he will. And another friend of mine actually told me that he think that he should go into WWE as well. But yeah. I think the passion isn't there all that much. 
I don't think he prepared well enough for this fight. I'm surprised. I thought he had a really decent first round. But the thing is, though, is that kick to the leg really, really did him in. And I'm not going to play Monday morning quarterback and say if Poirier didn't get him in the leg that he would have won that uh, he would have won the fight. I feel like Poirier would have still won the fight, even though I was rooting for Conor McGregor. Yeah. But I don't think it would have happened the way I, that it did. I think it would have gone I longer. Think, to I me, would... the whole fight looked like Poirier's fight to lose. I mean, I get McGregor; he had a better striking percentage, but just the significant strikes. Uh, so Poirier ended up with 48 and Conor McGregor only had 29. It was Poirier's fight the whole time and yes. McGregor just isn't the old, didn't look like the old McGregor we know. But I think it goes back to him after he kind of, after he became the double champ, no. I think that's where he started putting his um, like skill sets otherwise in other places. Like now he has his own whiskey and stuff. So like He's going to have money for the rest of his life. And I just think he kind of lost the love for uh, UFC. But it was it was nice to see, like, in the pre-fight, like, not interviews yes. and stuff and, like, him with his child and being a dad. It was nice to see that just because we all know Conor McGregor is his badass. But now you get to see him as kind of the person as well. Exactly. And the thing is, too, is because of, like, after the – after yes – after he became the double champ, yes, he became more of a brand than he was an athlete. And the thing is, though, is all top athletes in any sports, they become brands for the most part. And that, whether it's their own line of clothes, he has his own line of clothing, his own whiskey line. Uh, well, uh, obviously, like, you know, other athletes go into different other business ventures as well, including... Uh, including entertainment for the most, including entertainment actually. But yes, his love for the UFC and MMA as a whole, I think, is gone. Not completely, but I don't. I think he cares more about the money than he does fighting, and that's why I think I'm going to agree with you. I think he should go to the WWE yeah. because he can just pop up when he wants. If he went to the WWE, he doesn't even need to wrestle in the WWE. He could just make an in-ring appearance like, and run his mouth for like, twenty minutes like and call McCaffrey out some, and call out Vince NXT, McMahon. If he's he great to. down there, but I, I don't know. They just caught him. Yeah, Pat, but yeah. I want to think that's for a promotional reason. They're going to bring him back somehow. But Pat McCaffrey isn't a wrestler, but he still has people. He brought in a new audience no. to be able to watch WWE and NXT because just of his personality and how he is. So I think Conor McGregor could do something like that as well. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yes, with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee just has that personality of like raw yeah. like humor and yeah. unfilteredness. And that's what Conor McGregor brings, more along the lines of raw unfilteredness, yeah. not giving a shit. Whereas McAfee did it on the funny side. McGregor, like we see it as funny because like he's raw, he's unfiltered, he's uncensored, he says it how it is. And if WWE were to bring him in, I feel like they would allow that to happen. But at the same time, as I know, WWE has been trying to be more family oriented over the years. But at the same time, if they bring back Pat McAfee and bring in Conor McGregor, could we potentially see an, a change of how things happen with the WWE? Because they know the money that would be brought in they know that they would have a new audience be brought in new fa a new generation of fans into a dying i'm 
and I say dying lightly. I mean they st- they still make the money. Yeah. They're still a they're still a big brand in sports entertainment. But it would I, be a new it would so be a new I day for, for WWE, uh, WWE. And I have read and I have heard reports that Vince McMahon is trying to get back to that more for adults thing than they are children. But go, yeah, yes. it's the adults that love it, and children really don't I, follow. I, mean, it. I still That's follow it, not not as much as I used to. I'll tune in every Monday and Friday night for Ron SmackDown. I'll look at reports of and tune into some of the pay-per-views just because I just own the WWE network. But um, if McGregor wants to go to WWE, though, um, going back to kind of the Pat McCaffrey thing, McGregor also still, though, he is a wrestler. So he would be able to know what to do. So I feel like he would have fights because he just is probably be able to pick it up because it's kind of going to be natural to what he already kind of does. Yes, I, I agree there. And the thing is, though, is like he wouldn't need much training, sort of say. And the thing he wouldn't need much training, obviously. And the thing is, too, is like, yeah, he I'm not I wouldn't expect him to like walk in and like headline WrestleMania right away. But yes, he could definitely like, you know, build build up his reputation in WWE. He could definitely like, you know, start off right away, start off with the. Uh, you not like start off with you know some minor minor match matches and then work his way up like everybody else does for the most part unless they want him to headline WrestleMania right away which would be stupid in my opinion but that's just me uh, that's just me but uh, yes and the thing is too is he could also like train any and he could also work for, work with NXT and help train the um the young kids that yeah, they I, have down there I don't know well. if you will go to WWE or who. Got tongue twisted there. I don't know if he will go to WWE, but if he could if he wanted to. Vince McMahon would bring him in and pay him. He knows the skill set, so he could actually help out just with not yes. bringing in money. But he could also help out like the young talents, like you just said. Yes, exactly. And the thing is, though, too, because the thing is, though, is like WWE has had trouble for years trying to develop their talent. That their talent. Uh, that they bring in because a lot of the people that they have working for WWE exactly. well, in terms why, of development, they're all old. He like, keeps bringing in all these old legends because he's losing the money with these new guys. So that's why he's bringing back Goldberg and Undertaker hook and the Kurt Angle who come up for appearances. Be like, Hey, I need you. And he just brings them back. So other people will go back and watch it. That's why. That's why I said I, exactly, when I because read that know, he's like, trying to oh, go back yes. to the like more mature content. It makes sense because people would then watch it again because WWE finally has like an actual competitor, an AEW. That's on. Yeah. Yes. But Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon keeps saying um, it's tonight, he's not actually. worried about it, but it's already been hurting WWE's profitability. Yes, because so they many, snatch up all the talent so that WWE doesn't have. So many WWE wrestlers have gone over to WWE once their contracts and, up. I get they, don't, they have a no competition clause, but they find ways around it and still manage to get there. Exactly. They, they Exactly. Because the thing is, too, is like, you know, you can't hold on to them forever. 
and eventually they'll just find their way be like yeah like once uh, once they leave or they're ha- or they have their terminated contract terminated by by mutual consent or whatnot then that yeah. com- then that new competition clause is like right out, gone out the window but yes so he, McGregor could even potentially go to AEW if he doesn't want to go to WWE because of how they're becoming a they're becoming a they're becoming a major competitor in the in in the area of wrestling and sports entertainment too. So just because we say WWE right. doesn't mean like he'll go there. He could just say um, fuck so you. So actually a little bit AEW's I don't know if you've promising. heard this or not, but this is kind of like a little side bit. Um and I just think I'm just sharing this with you because I think it's kind of a little fucked up. So you know how like people streaming video games nowadays is really big. Um so Vince McMahon if any of his superstars yes. that he has, like if they decide to stream like video games and try to bring in their own revenue, Vince McMahon takes like almost 50% of it. Yeah. Isn't that, it's just kind of fucked to me oh, because fuck. I mean, I get he was the reason they're kind of famous now. So they're going to have more of an audience, but I just think that's why he's taking their money for being able to go and do that. And that's why a lot of these people. That's why a lot of these people like end up believing the Vince WWE for the most part because, yeah, exactly. That's why they go into their own ventures, and that's why they do what they do. And the thing is, though, is maybe that's another reason why McGregor wouldn't want to go to the WWE because you know he we obviously war travels like how McMahon exactly. would treat his like would treat his employees and. Obviously, you're not going to have somebody of that top caliber want to be treated like shit, like dog shit for the most part. If he's treating, if they're treating their own employees like that, but yes, uh, what what Vince does, honestly, I've heard many things. Uh, it's it's sad, honestly, and that's probably why. Yeah, God, that's probably why it wouldn't be smart. It wouldn't be smart. It would be smart in terms of the money, but it won't be smart in terms of your character going to. Up and going to an organization like that, but that's up to right. that's up to Conor McGregor. That's what for the future holds. You there? Hello. I think I lost you there for a second. I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. Oh, continue though. Continue. I'll pick. Oh, up. okay. Well, I was saying because of uh, the loss to Poirier, uh, a, a third Khabib fight. Uh, there were there were rumors about how that could happen. Even though Khabib was retired, they thought Dana White would lure him out of retirement and say, "Oh yeah, here you can fight McGregor a third time." That can't happen now because of that. So, but uh, but then there's the talk of the trilogy fight, and I'm thinking to myself, "Nah, maybe Poirier doesn't want Poirier wants to do it potentially." But then at the same time, does McGregor want to? But that's all, and that's all speculation. That's all up in the air. Obviously, Dana White makes up everything as he goes along, kind of like, kind of like the Premier, kind of like the Premier League at this point. Yeah, uh, here we'll just here we'll just do do this. And, right, throwing in throwing a new rule so people don't get mad at exactly, us. Exactly, throwing new rules so people don't get mad at us. And Dana White will say, "Oh, here here's what's happening. Uh, I know that I said this was happening, but now I changed it because I want I want to look good. So it is what it is there with that. But um. Dana White is one of these. I don't care what anyone says. Dana White is probably one of the smartest um, minds in all of like sports entertainment. He is. He was. He was the first person when like the whole lockdown happened with COVID. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna take us to an island exactly, and we're gonna everyone's gonna be able to quarantine there, and we can still have our fights going on." And that is kind of how every other league kind of decided to start back up because they saw UFC was able to do it. 
So it was like, why not? Why can't we? Exactly. I agree there. The only thing that sucks, though, is I miss Joe Rogan on the uh, I miss Joe Rogan with his interviews there. Um, Me too. I miss Joe Rogan with them, but I think he's tied down with his podcast to Spotify. Also, I don't think uh, also I don't know if he's allowed. I don't don't know if he like left the state of California like he said he would. But uh, if he wasn't allowed to leave the state of California, that's kind that's kind of annoying, too. But uh, it's a it's a funny world we're in currently. But do you have any last thoughts on anything that we talked about today, sir? Any final thoughts? Um, no, I think what we said was basically it for me. I, I covered all the topics I wanted to with the Sabres because that's a, basically all I got going on in my life now since the Bills ended up having an unfortunate loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, even though um, I knew it was going I, I to happen. Like Deep down, I know I said that the Bills were going to win. But, you but know. that was just me being a stingy-ass Bills fan. And you could just see how much better Kansas City was. At least was you weren't Bills. going onto Twitter like trying to – pull off like excuses and thinking that Kansas city was a bunch of scrubs. I'm like, uh, oh, no. no, 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 no. Those are, those are the same. Those are the same people that I'm afraid of uh, going on the Sabres <laughs> bandwagon. Once the Sabres actually right. get more into the season. So I'm fr- the only good part about the bills loss. No more girls that don't watch football, putting up Instagram stories. <laughs> that is the only, that's the only promising thing with the bill season ending. <laughs> speaking of the bills, so did you end up catching any of uh beans or McDermott's uh, like closing interviews for the season? Uh, I followed on Twitter. I followed a lot, of, a little bit on Twitter. Uh, once again, Bill's Twitter decided. Once again, Bill's Twitter is like Sabres Twitter, and they got all negative and whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, Nah, you guys, I'm because the the future of the Bills, honestly, is up in the. I mean, like the team should be fine, but the problem is this, and there's kind and there's kind of a number of problems that they'll have to face with adversity once next season comes into effect. The New England Patriots have $70 million in cap space available, and Matthew Stafford is a free agent right now, so potentially he could go there. Aaron Rodgers may also want out of Green Bay, so that's up in the air too. So obviously... Pause that that real fast. Both Aaron Rodgers and the GM both said that Aaron's not going anywhere. We don't the GM said we don't have plans to move him. That's and Rogers said I don't have any plans to. Yeah, he was. I think he was just pissed off in the moment. But yes, Aaron Rodgers at the moment, before that moment, was like the, everybody was skeptical of what he would do. But yes, obviously the Patriots would should be a fat will be a player in potentially landing Matthew Stafford. They have seventy million dollars of cap space to use too. I know they don't draft well, sort of say, but if they actually brought in Stafford, they could potentially find somebody, find a few people in free agency to sign as well. And then every, and then they'll have everybody that opted out of the season to come back as well. Um, yeah. Deshaun Watson is potentially a top, the Jets and the Dolphins are the two top options for Deshaun Watson to go to as since he wants out of Houston. I have a, I have a little comment about that. So, so this is kind of funny, but do you think Miami could trade that? Um, was it a third or fourth pick? Third, it's third, right? Third. They have the third. Do you think they could trade that third pick for Deshaun Watson? I think that they honestly, it all depends. I think the Jets and or the Dolphins would trade their picks, whatever their picks, 
for Watson. Obviously, it won't be a one-for-one. They'll have to figure out how they want to do with the contracts and everything. Uh, Well, I think with the Dolphins, I think you could send Tua and your pick for Watson. Yes, because the Dolphins... But the thing would be funny with that is the Dolphins own Houston's pick. That is Houston's pick. And so basically, Houston would have gave up everything or basically gave Miami that pick and however that trade happened last year. Yeah. And Houston would have given that right back just to trade, give away your quarterback. Exactly. Just to get what you own before back for your court. But I get Houston didn't think they weren't going to win. They didn't think they would finish that bad in the league. But it's just funny to me that they could, if that trade happened, they would just be getting away what they already own. Exactly. They would get back what they already own. So they could easily trade Tua and that pick. And Houston would just look like idiots. But if Deshaun Watson actually went to the Jets, though, that would be very intriguing because it makes me wonder what they would give up. They have the number two pick, and the thing is, the and the thing is, though, is like, what would they want to give up that pick for Watson, or would they continue, or would they finally, or would they actually like draft Devontae Smith from Alabama and give them a wide receiver for Sam Darnold because they also have a good amount of cap space too. So yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I think I honestly think the Jets are gonna stick with Darnold, and I think they're gonna draft Devonte Smith. And that would be the smart thing, the smartest thing that they it did. Because, in years. Why not go get a quarter? You need a wide receiver because, my opinion, Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. He's just not in the right situation right now. Adam Gase was an idiot. Yeah, I think if you get Devon, I think the Jets are gonna stay where they are. I think they draft Devonte Smith. But uh, speaking of the draft, though later episode in your podcast, we should definitely just do our own mock draft. Oh, definitely. We can wait until after the season. Well, we can do it after, not like right after the Super no, Bowl. No, not right away, but like, like close, closer to the draft, just do our own little mock draft, see how many we can get right. I think we should do that. I think we should do a mock draft, honestly. That would be wonderful. And maybe I can find a couple, get a couple other people. Maybe my fan, maybe my fantasy football, like in my fantasy football league, not the one I did with you, but like the other league I did, like I know that they like to talk about draft situations and stuff too. Maybe I can get a couple of those guys on too, but yes. And then the thing is too, is that going back to the bills, the AFC is just highly competitive. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have, so Jacksonville's they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. So I'm just going to go over the quarterbacks right on the AFC. So right now you have just in the East, you have Josh Allen and I think Donald, if he gets a new scenery or gets some weapons, Donald's going to be a great quarterback. But then you also have Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. You got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And then you still also have Patrick Mahomes. Then you have uh, Watson, who's still in Houston, who's probably going to end up in the AFC still. And you just have so many young, good quarterbacks and good teams. And even uh, Herbert. You have so many uh, players that can – I think, honestly, all these quarterbacks I just named could compete consistently for playoff spots and to go to the Super Bowl. Exactly. Once Kansas City runs into their cap hell, they're going to be in trouble because they don't have much cap space open. And once contracts come up for people, it's not going to be pretty. Exactly. And the restructuring of everything, it's going to be like New England uh, the the last few years under Brady. Even though they were making Super Bowls, they were still in cap hell and cap purgatory, which is why they were the way they were, which is why they were the way they were now, which makes me wonder, which makes me actually wonder if those eight people that opted out, opted out so that the that the so that the patriots could have cap space or if they actually were scared of covid 
I'm going to, I'm actually, I may, conspiracy theory here. I'm going to go with the first one and say that they knew that the Patriots had shit cap space and they said, fuck it, we're opting out. We'll help out the team this season. Our money won't count towards the salary cap. We'll come back next season. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that, that's a nice little conspiracy theory there. But uh, yes, uh, I, I mean, there's one game left. We'll we'll preview that game next week, and honestly, honestly, that's that that's what that's what next week's gonna be right there. We're gonna, you, you and I will 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 preview the game for we'll preview the game. We'll go, go into the X's and O's. We'll do quarterback matchups. You know why? We'll we'll do a matchup with the quarterbacks, defense, wide receivers, running game. We'll we'll see who has the advantage where. We'll and and we'll and we'll just do and we'll just do that, but. Other than that, I have no more final thoughts uh, with you right now. Do you have any more final thoughts? Uh, no, not not for this episode. Not save this. all my save, save all their thoughts for episodes on the road. Exactly, right. exactly. There's many more episodes to come. Uh, but yeah, no, you'll be on next week. We'll preview the Super Bowl. That'll that'll pretty much be the the episode right there. But uh, once again, I thank you for coming on to the podcast with me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, you take it easy. All right. Yeah, thank you for having me again, and uh, I will talk, be talking to you next week. Sounds perfect. Take care. So I'm going to conclude this podcast episode with some final thoughts, and my final thoughts for the most part are going to be focused on GameStop, its increase in value in the stock market, and how, in my opinion, Reddit, ha- Reddit of all places took down Wall Street hedge funds and major money market corporations. And in my opinion, this is a very interesting story that has been coming along as of late, and it is still continuing to go on. Retail traders are chalking up a victory against Wall Street as hedge funds took heavy losses on short positions in GameStop and regulators and financial professionals are calling for more scrutiny of trading fueled by anonymous social media posts on Reddit. There, It has been a week-long battle between Wall Street and Main Street. Funds selling long, sold long positions in stocks to pay for losses shorting GameStop have contributed to a slide of more than 2% in Wall Street's main indexes. Technology investor Chamaft Paliafia told CNBC that we are moving toward a world where ordinary folk have the same access as professionals and can come to the same conclusion or maybe the opposite. But the thing is, though, is that this thing with GameStop, it's just crazy. What's currently going on is crazy. This was a $3 stock this time a year ago for the most part, and it has jumped over to almost $350 in four days. It's crazy. It has caused turmoil on the market. There have been winners. There have been losers here. GameStop has surged 135% as of today, bringing their gain since January 12th to about 1,700% and ballooning its market cap to $24 billion, the highest it has ever been in its history. A movie theater AMC and Blackberry and Blackberry have also jumped and surged, 
BlackBerry jumped 33% to bring their gain to 279%, and AMC surged to 300%, is now up over 800% on a year-to-date. Reddit users are making Wall Street junkies look like fucking idiots. Okay? It has a David and Goliath feel in a way. Where the Reddit crowd is taking on the most shorted stocks by the largest hedge funds in the world and winning. Okay? It's a dangerous game. I'm not going to lie. Following this, it's a dangerous game to play from both sides of the spectrum. Okay? You are gonna you get close enough to the fire, you're going to get burned. But the thing is, though, is that it's just insane to see this happen right now. And it's all because of some clown that sh- makes a living short selling. Famed short seller Andrew Left of Citron Capital bet against GameStop and was met with a barrage of retail traders betting the other way. And he was a target for some on Reddit's Wall Street bets thread, which where posts helped drive gains for several niche stocks, including the ones I just mentioned. He, They attacked this guy. They... Told this guy practically to fuck off. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do the make. We're gonna make you lose money. We're gonna do have the stock do the exact opposite, and they drove the price up tenfold, and it started a war for the most part, a war between Wall Street junkie hedge fund traders, and I mean junkie as in like all they do is sit their fucking computers all day and just watch the market go up and down like a fucking roller coaster because, well, that's what they choose to do with their lives. Okay? It's it's really crazy, honestly. The turmoil on the market caught the attention of the White House and the government, actually, today because Press Secretary Jen Paskin Saki said that President Joe Biden's economic team, including Tre- Treasury Secretary Jan Yellen, who was just on her first full day of the job also, was monitoring the situation, quote, quote, unquote. Massachusetts state regulator William Galvin called on the New York Stock Exchange to suspend GameStop for 30 days to allow a cooling off period. TD Ameritrade is saying, no, 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 you can't trade that anymore because we're losing too much money. It's really fucking crazy. Like, these Wall Street crybaby motherfuckers, and that's what they are in my opinion now, they're losing too much money, and and they're crying foul. But yeah, when we lose money to to the market, and they still make money off of us losing money, it's okay for them, because they are losing their own game. When they lose their own game, they cry foul. When they're winning the game, it's okay for them. It's okay for this all to happen. No, that's not how it fucking works, you dumb fucks. Okay? You're losing. Get over it. Don't call on the government to bitch and moan and whine, okay? Just because you lost $14.3 billion today alone on GameStop stock because, you know, you don't know how to short sell or because Reddit said, fuck you, we're we're making this happen, okay? Get over yourselves, okay? Discord decided to shut down the Wall Street Bets Reddit server for, quote, hate speech glorifying violence and spreading misinformation, end quote. 
Okay, they say that they didn't ban the server due to financial fraud related to GameStop or other stocks. That's fun. Okay, honestly, anybody associated with Wall Street bets, you know, honestly, most likely has not actually made any hate speech, honestly. Okay, they said that the Discord said that they were looking at this for months. They issued multiple warnings. But the thing is, though, is if it happened and this was happening, they could have shut this down well before the panic over GameStop. No, Discord is engaging in censorship to protect hedge fund firms from losing billions over risky short bets because those losers on Wall Street are losing money and they can't get it back. They're losing at their own game. They don't like it. And guess what? Cry. Get over it. You're losing money, okay? Imagine going to school for four years and putting $200,000 into college for four years of your life. You go to school for finance. You learn many different trickle-down economic theories. You learn how the market works and whatnot. And all of a sudden, Reddit decides to run the market for a week. Something that has never happened in a lifetime. They just decide to run the market make a mockery of Wall Street, and everybody's at a loss for words. Imagine that happening. I mean I, I, I mean, I have a finance degree. I'm one of those people that went to school for finance. I, pay, I invested four years of my time learning all these economic theories and learning how the market works, and I'm baffled and perplexed by that. And to be honest, I probably learned more from social media and watching Reddit users take down the market than I learned from my professors, to be honest, because they just, they just expected that we know everything anyways. And I can tell you right now, if I were to walk uh, to, uh, into St. John Fisher College's campus right now and ask one of my professors if they actually know something, they probably wouldn't. They probably wouldn't know how to explain it. They'd probably come up with some convoluted excuse as to why it's happening and say, oh, you shouldn't believe this, blah, 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 and whatever. No, they'd be at a loss for words. They wouldn't know. It's really crazy, honestly. Okay? Okay, the stock market drastic price rise in a nutshell is pretty much, you know, Wall Street people crying, no, manipulating the stock market is to your advantage, is only good when we do it, you're killing the market, wah. And then the Reddit users and everybody that has GameStop stock, they're like, haha, GameStop stock, GameStop stocks go up, 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 haha. Okay, it's, it's really crazy, honestly. It's insane. I mean, this is some like Wolf of Wall Street type shit going on right now, okay? Wall Street's continuing to go into havoc. It'll probably continue to go into havoc for a few more days, honestly. And the thing is, though, is I'm enjoying every minute of it. Because you know what? I'm a little pissed off that I didn't invest into a little shitting three dollar three to fifteen dollar stock because at one point like just uh over a month ago it was at fifteen fifteen seventeen dollars and now it's three hundred I could have cashed out like right now and I'd ha- and I'd have a decent chunk of change saved up in my saved up in my my account honestly but the thing is though is like watching these Wall Street losers cry foul and bitch and moan and for the government to come in and protect them it's insane. It just goes to show like where the interests of powerful people are, whether it's within the government, whether it's within Wall Street, they only care about themselves and their own agenda. 
Okay, the government for them to intervene to say that they're going to intervene into this instead of actually focusing on the needs of the American public and for Wall Street to complain that they're losing money when they lose money every day regardless, depending on what they invest in. But because it's their own money and not our money being lost, that's when they care. Well, I've got two words for you. Fuck off. I've got another three words for you. Get over it. I've got two more. It happens. Cry about it. For that, I conclude on my final thoughts. Like I said, I hope this drama with GameStop continues to happen for a few days. It's enjoy. It's enjoyable to watch on social media, to watch in the market, to look at how Reddit users were able to do this. Although with Wall Street bets being shut down by Discord because Wall Street cried foul, who knows how long this will continue to happen for overall. But like I said, that concludes my final thoughts. And with that, I conclude today's episode of the Jerry's World Podcast. Next week, next week will strictly be a Super Bowl preview. I'll have my friend Jake Sosha come back on the show again. Maybe a couple other guests will preview the Super Bowl, go into all the matchups, and look f- look ahead to the big game of next weekend. I'll try to be better next time. Stay safe, everybody.